You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. We've uh, got my good friend and co-host, Gray Williams, uh, with us uh, today. Uh, and it's an awesome program. Get Connected. We're Canada's number one tech radio program. All about inspiring and uh, demystifying the world of technology and all that's in it. Uh, we're going to be talking with uh, one of our Toronto correspondents, Carmi Levy, about uh, the FTC cracking down on fake reviews. We're all using... Uh, you know, online shopping tools, you know, the Amazons, uh, the Walmarts online. And if you're like me, you probably actually use the reviews to make purchase decisions. Uh, how about you, Gray? I do. Um, I'm using Spot right now to kind of suss out when there are terrible reviews out there. Um, and also reading the top ones. I got a gut feeling sometimes just like, like never heard of this brand. Features are too good to be true. Reviews seem insane. Yeah, this is a bad idea. Sorry, what was the tool that you said you use? Uh, Fakespot from Fakespot.com. It's a plugin that you can get for your browser. Yeah. You can also just plug in the um, the web address into that page, and it will basically scan it and see are, are these reviews likely to be fake. That's very very interesting. Well, the FTC uh, thinks it's a big problem and cracking down on it uh, and fining finding these uh, these sites that uh, have these uh, these fake reviews. So uh, we'll uh, get the full breakdown on that. We'll also be talking with the folks uh, over at Ergata. This is a cool interactive uh, rower, kind of like a Peloton, but for rowing. So we're going to talk uh, with the folks behind that and how that uh, all works. And a, a really important segment that I, I really encourage everyone to stay tuned for later in the program. The FBI down in the U.S. is warning uh, U.S. citizens about the increase of sextortion scams using deep fakes. We've spoken about deep fakes many times on this show. This is uh, where they uh, use uh, an image uh, or likeness of someone. Uh, a lot of times it's celebrities and uh, they can create uh, all new images or videos. Uh, you know, I've seen ones uh, with uh, Morgan Freeman, uh, Obama, and it looks like them talking. It sounds like them. It looks like them. But it's it's a problem because uh, some of these criminals and hackers are basically uh, using it, finding images of you or even your children online and then putting your, your face on on an image uh, a lot of times pornographic and trying to extort money out of you. And so, you know, adults have, a, I think, more tools to, to deal with that. You know, they can kind of understand, uh, you know, what, what's happening. But kids, it's, it's a huge problem. So we're going to talk about some of the things you can do uh, to try to prevent you being uh, uh, part of that. Let's get into some of the uh, the news. Uh, this is a story that we're going to talk more about on the app show, our sister program uh, tomorrow, Gray, but uh, the actor's strike is on. And one of the big uh, issues, you know, streaming is obviously one of the things, you know, the actors want to be compensated properly for that, but AI has come up. Interesting, eh? Yeah. Oh. yeah I mean, looking at this, the idea of AI characters has been... A- huge story for a long time right we've seen Tupac Shakur brought back as a, a Pepper's Ghost thing um the uh, we had Carrie Fisher um and uh they have like Grand Moff Tarkin in Rogue One and it's like okay so we can bring people back I know for myself if I was an actor I wouldn't want this done but what if they drove a big dump truck full of money up to your your front door and say hey um we want to pay you a million dollars to be able to use your likeness, uh, you know, going forward or, or when you die, for example. 
but we'll give you a million dollars today. We're, we're seeing it in the music industry, great. You know, uh, like the big guys, uh, the Bob Dylans, Bruce Springsteens, uh, they're basically selling their entire music catalog. Do you know what I mean? For mm-hmm. hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. Like, what's not to say like Kevin Costner or Harrison Ford offering them like a hundred million dollars to, to be able to use uh, their AI likenesses in, in future movies or TV shows, you know, when they pass. Or even now, if they're You're up saying to we it. could get the... We could get the Waterworld sequel. I've always wanted. That's that's exciting. You know, if they drew a, a dump truck full of money up to my door, uh, I would absolutely say yes because uh, they're going to miss me when I'm gone. So, might as well have more me around. Yes, you want to sp- spread your message of love from uh, beyond the grave. So, I guess the sticking point for the actors is they're they're really concerned about this. Uh, you know, obviously some of the bigger names that you know they've got the clout to. Uh, really protect themselves when it comes to that. But, you know, most of the actors in the union, as you can imagine, are not making, uh, you know, Harrison Ford money. Do you know what I mean? Uh, So one of the examples they were using is, you know, uh, background actors. Uh, Basically, the studios saying that they want to be able to use their likeness, uh, you know, going forward for other projects, you know, pay them for the one day and then be able to use them all over the place without paying them. If, if if you have the rights, if you if you have the rights to your own appearance, which I think we do, um, somebody can't come and copy that wholesale. And if the studio wants to pay for it every time they use it, absolutely. You know what? Make an AI of me, put some money in my bank account every time you use it. Amazing. You want to pay for it once and use it every time? Come on, guys. That's just cheap. Well, it's interesting. Uh, so the actors union, obviously, they're they're trying to really push their message for they're saying that you know the studios want to be able to pay once and use that uh, actor's image you know all over the place going forward on on everything in perpetuity the uh, the studios have come back and saying no no that's not the case we just want to be able to use that likeness in that that one particular film or tv series uh that they were paid to do does that make sense yeah but film or tv series as an actor you get paid for multiple days the background deck yes so it's like hey maybe just show up and then not again nah. i mean i i can see a middle ground right it's going to be more than a day's pay and less than the total day's pay because you've only worked once that could be somewhere that they could they could find negotiation room but if you want to pay one day and get the entire film come on you're just you're just scrubbing your budget at this point ridiculous yeah it'll be interesting to see where they land on this you know what kind of compromise comes from both sides so we'll we'll, uh, be following up on that story and again if you want to hear more about it uh, we are going to go in a deep dive on that uh, on tomorrow's uh, app show Uh, another story uh, quickly here the FCC is uh, looking to stop sim swappers with new rules and so this is a problem that's uh, happening all over the world especially in Canada and the US Uh, fraudsters criminals hackers they are, they try and are successful in many cases uh, to basically port people's phone numbers. So, you know, you've got your phone number. So hackers, they're trying to get your phone number and uh, phone up your cell carrier and say, hey, uh, this is Mike and I want to move my phone number uh, over to this SIM card. So basically that SIM card's on the, the criminal's uh, cell phone. And if they can make the, the cell phone come the company do that, and they've been quite successful in many cases. Uh, then they have all sorts of access to uh, your your personal information. They can bypass two factor authentication. So, for example, they'd be able to get into your bank accounts, your e commerce sites that you shop at, and wreak havoc, so to speak. So it's, what? It's kind of it's, it's a worst case scenario. Yeah. yeah. So. 
Anyway, the good news is the FCC is trying to crack down on that, uh, making the carriers to really work on the authentication of, of that. So if someone wants to transport uh, or move their, their number to uh, uh, another uh, SIM card, uh, they're saying that there has to be better, uh, I guess, safeguards uh, on, on that. So again, we'll be following that story as well, but I think it's a step in the right direction. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back... The FTC down in the U.S. cracking down on fake reviews on e-commerce sites. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with the program. Mike Agarbo here in studio. Got my good friend Carmi Levy with me today uh, to talk about uh, an interesting story. The FTC down in the U.S. Uh, of A is planning to uh, go after companies and slap hefty fines on them for using fake reviews. And I think this is an important story because... More and more of us are doing uh, more of our shopping and trying to figure out what we want to purchase uh, by going online and reading reviews of uh, products and uh, and services. So there are some places that are kind of gaming the system. There's some companies that are doing that uh, by putting up fake reviews to make their product look better. And uh, as you know, if you're getting a four or five star review, that makes your product or service look pretty good and uh, obviously can increase sales. How big of a problem is this, Carmi? This is a massive problem because if you think about how we buy things in this age, especially, you know, the following the pandemic where everything pivoted toward e-commerce, buying things online, not actually being in the store to hold the product or to talk to a salesperson, everything was based on its rating, on what other people were saying about it. You, you, you went right to the reviews to look up, well, what are people saying about this vendor? Are they legit? Is this product any good? What kind of experience have other people had with it? I know, are they a 3.5 or are they a 4.5 or are they a 5? Well, if they're a 2.2, I'm certainly not buying from them. Like that literally becomes the metric that rules all others. And if that review is lousy, we're not buying from them. We're only going to buy from organizations, from companies, vendors that have good reviews. And so gaming that review system is a huge example of fraud. Uh, and, and we've seen an entire industry crop up to help companies uh, raise their reviews or improve their reviews based on misrepresentations. So it could be, um, you know, uh, review spam. It could be people who post reviews. They've never actually bought the product. They, they pretend to buy the product or scripts that essentially create the same thing. It almost looks like they're all written the same way. Um, and so, you know, review hijacking is a really big deal as well. And it, it makes it really difficult for us to tell whether it's legit or not. You know, did people really shop from that store, from that online store? And did they really like the product? And was it quality? Or is it just really lousy and, and they faked it all? Um, and because it's so ridiculously easy to spoof the system and, and game the system, uh, the Federal Trade Commission in the U.S. is now going to formally ban it. And they're going to they're going to fine uh, organizations that engage in it up to fifty thousand dollars per event, like per review. So if you post you know, a bunch of reviews, you could be on the hook for millions of dollars once this uh, this rule goes into effect. And I think it comes none too soon because I'm. Uh, you know, how many times have I gone online buying and I realized that this didn't look quite right? And sure enough, it was fake. Um, but that's what I do. I, I look for it. I look for the sort of the tells and how people write things. Um, I can kind of tell when something's been programmatically created. That isn't the case with everyone. And we need better protection. And finally, the FTC is bringing that on, which hopefully sets a bit of a precedent for other countries, you know, hint, hint, Canada to follow. 
I think it is important. You know, I, I look at myself. Uh, I use Amazon uh, a lot just because you know they've got some you know a great selection of well everything, uh, and I use the reviews all the time. It really influences my purchase purchasing decision. And I know Amazon um, very on top of this. They crack down on uh, companies that uh, are. Uh, you know, posting fake reviews for their their products or their stores on 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 Amazon, like they'll take them right off the whole site uh, as well. Like it's it's mm-hmm. serious, and you know, for a lot of these companies, if they get booted off Amazon, uh, that basically kills their business because that's their main you know source of um, revenue. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I shop on some of those Chinese uh, e-commerce websites too. Those are horrendous for reviews. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like you can just, <laughs> you can tell, you know, yeah. yeah. Oh, like <laughs> all these products have five stars, you know, come on, that's impossible. And then you start reading some of the reviews and you're just like, Oh no, this just, this can't be real. So, I mean, if, if the FTC puts this in place, I mean, that will hopefully, you know, be a snowball for other countries like Canada to, you know, get on board with this as well. Yeah, we're not going to have a choice uh, because, you know, e-commerce, it's not it, it doesn't stop at the border. And so, you know, you know, Canadians buy from around the world and uh, customers around the world buy from Canadian organizations as well, Canadian uh, businesses. So um, it cuts both ways and certainly it benefits Canadian businesses to have better protection on both sides of the border. Um, so I think it's inevitable. I know Canada will be watching this very closely. And, you know, sir, I think the thing to remember is and I, 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 I agree with you, Amazon. Uh, has been putting huge, they're spending billions of dollars to uh, detect this kind of fraud and act on it because it really does speak to the very core of its brand. If they can't control this, uh, then you know how can we trust Amazon? And so the risk is that we would shop less if we can't trust them. So good on them for doing everything they can. But I think as consumers, we need to recognize that Amazon is fighting a very uphill battle despite all the technology and resources they can bring to it. The Amazon marketplace is huge. Uh, And so it's almost like trying to keep pollution out of the ocean, right? You can do your best, (laughs) but uh, there there will always be leakers here and there, and there will always be a certain degree uh, of fraudulent activity happening on the Amazon platform as well as others. So uh, don't assume that just because it's Amazon, like, okay, I'm avoiding the Chinese e-commerce sites. I'm going to go to Amazon. I'm really well protected. Uh, that's an assumption that can get you into trouble because as, as hard as Amazon is trying to stamp this out, it still happens on Amazon and we have to be kind of that that last line of defense and we have to really look at every single posting uh, just as we would anytime else we're shopping on in the digital space uh, and really be you know our own best cynical guides uh, to ensure that we don't fall victim. So that's something I, you know, I hope, a lot of people understand some of these big e-commerce giants uh, amazon is a good example walmart i think even best buy yes they sell products directly uh you know from their warehouses but they also they have these marketplaces where anyone can basically join up and sell whatever products they have it's you know you Mm -hmm. still go through amazon amazon is fulfilling it all but it's these other companies that are basically selling you the product kind of under yeah, under the guise of Amazon or Walmart or, or Best Buy or some of these other big ex- guys. Exactly. And it's not always easy to see that, you know, this is a, mar- a market or a third party partner. It'll be in very small, you know, fine print somewhere on the screen. You really have to look for it. But, you know, I, I, it's like I tell my kids, you know, when you're when you're out and about and you're, you're you know, you meet someone, you know, you size them up. You, you try to you, you, you look at them, you listen to them, you engage with them to determine if they're trustworthy or not. We need to do the same thing in the digital 
digital space, a little bit harder, obviously, because they're not standing in front of you. But, you know, read that page really carefully and look for signs that something is amiss. Um, and it often starts with, like, if I have a choice of buying from Amazon or Best Buy or, you know, another legitimate vendor versus a market partner or a third party partner, I'll always go with the legitimate, uh, you know, source because they're, you're, you're, you're better protected. If something happens, at least you know who you're dealing with. If it's a, a third party market provider, even if it's a few bucks less, it may not be, it may be a false saving if something happens and I have no recourse. And so really take the time. Don't scroll through things really quickly looking for the checkout button. Take your time to read that fine print uh, and look for those tells that something is a little bit iffy, something's a little bit off with this individual vendor. Uh, you might think you're saving some money up front, but there's no saving if uh, the deal goes south and you have no one to complain to but yourself. Another thing I recommend uh, as well, you know, a lot of times the product, uh, for example, that you're you're buying, um, it will be available on, on multiple sites. So I mm-hmm. always, uh, you know, myself and I tell others, you know, check on the other sites to see what the reviews for the product are there. You know, a lot of times that will help kind of show you what sites might have fake, fake reviews. Mm-hmm. Like if one site's like five stars, Uh, and you check the other ones and, you know, it's two stars, something's amiss. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And, and that's a really good point, Mike. I, I, it, it's akin to, you know, taking yourself out of that environment and looking elsewhere, looking abroad. Uh, and I would, the only thing I would add to that is talk to your friends, talk to your family members, because chances are they've had a similar experience too. You know, before we had all these review sites and e-commerce and all that, what, was, what, what did we do whenever we wanted to buy something? We, we spoke to people that we knew and trusted. Yeah. Uh, and so I think we kind of need to get back to that as well. Yes, it's more efficient uh, to use these online review resources, but the reality is they're, they're, in many cases, you're not going to find anyone who you trust, but uh, I got a lot of friends who are more than happy to weigh in uh, and let me know if that's either <laughs> smart or not so smart purchase so I'll, I'll impose on them as they impose on me and i think we'll all be better protected talking with carmy levy uh, all about the ftc down in the u.s uh, looking to implement fines for fake reviews on uh, e-commerce sites and i think this is a a good thing that uh, will hopefully come soon thanks for joining us carmy great being here mike thanks for having me when we come back from the break more tech to talk back after this you are back with the program mike agarbo here in studio we're going to talk uh, tech when it comes to Health and fitness, exercising. Came across a really interesting company that uh, has uh, done something cool with rowing and rowing machines. Uh, they're called Ergata. We've got uh, Saj Parik. He's on the line. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Mike. So uh, I I discovered you guys uh, when I went to the Collision Conference in Toronto uh, a week and a half uh, ago and uh, just kind of fascinated by uh, what you guys are, are up to. You've got this uh, really cool... I guess, connected rowing machine with screen. Maybe you can tell our, our listeners a little bit more about it and what it all does. Sure. Um, so I think the most concise way to describe it um, is that Argata exists to help people build fitness habits through competitive games. Uh, so our core product, which you mentioned, is a rowing machine. Um, sort of combines this elegant aesthetic of cherry wood hardware with game-based digital content. Um and rowing, you know, more generally offers a full body workout. Uh, and we provide uh, a product that lets you do it from the comfort of your home, uh, paired with software that's specifically geared towards long-term habit formation. And uh, like how many different types of games are, are involved here? Like how much knowledge do you have to have to actually get this thing up and, and going? 
uh, it's really easy to get started. We have thousands of different workouts available on the Yergata app um, and about 12 different game types. Um, but yeah, it's geared towards anyone from uh, beginner to advanced. Um, and we have a lot of new like rowing tutorials for people that have never rowed before or um, you know, haven't in a while. So it definitely kind of spans the, yeah, spans the game. So you, you do get that uh, interactive, uh, you know, gaming and, and coaching. What I found interesting with your machine, though, is that uh, it's not just like a pile, like a pile of metal. You've actually incorporated wood into this, so it actually is uh, aesthetically nicely looking. Yeah, I think we place a, a big emphasis on the design of a rower. Um, the hardware it's something that you would want to keep in your living room rather than like tucked away in a basement or garage. Uh, so definitely kind of seamlessly fits into any kind of home, uh, whether you have um, a house or even a small apartment. I mean, a rowing machine is not a, a small thing. Like, how, how does this thing fit in a, a small apartment? There's a lot of people that live in condos uh, that listen to the, the show, for example. Yeah, so funny enough, I, I live in New York City in a one-bedroom apartment uh, and have a rower in my bedroom. Um, so it actually folds up, so you can actually store it upright uh, basically the size of a bar stool. Uh, so if you have any sort of corner of a room, you can, you can kind of prop it up uh, when it's not in use. And then when you want to use it, how much setup is involved? Uh, it takes about five seconds. So you just, uh, it has the wheels on the bottom. You just pull it down uh, and then pull up the screen and then you're like all set to go. And so how, like, so this is a connected device. You obviously have to have an internet uh, connection. Like how do you, how do you scale this, you know, as you start adding more, uh, I guess, users uh, to to the system. Yeah, so it goes really well. Um, we we have a big member community right now. I think, you know, over 75,000 uh, members. Um, and there are different types of games for different types of people. Uh, we have competitive games, races, all types of um, workouts for, depending on what you're interested in. Um, and yeah, it's, it's very easily, uh, we built the app in a way that's it's able to scale as our member base grows. Yeah, so we started building our product on AWS with uh, credits from the Activate program. Um, and we knew AWS you know, caters to companies at all life cycles. Uh, and we were specifically interested in cloud computing services that would help us build and scale our product efficiently to be able to deliver our game content quickly to the end user. So you don't have all the game content in a server underneath your desk. No, definitely not. There's no specialized run. Uh, definitely outsource that to our trusted partners. Well, I know I always find that interesting. Uh, you know, obviously, as uh, you are getting more users on and developing more content, uh, it's important to be able to to scale. So uh, having a, a cloud service, uh, obviously, like uh, the Amazon Web Services, uh, can help you do that. And how long have you guys been doing this? Uh, it's been about, I want to say, three years now. We launched... Uh, Funny enough, early March of uh, the pandemic. Um, and uh, yeah, I've been around for the past uh, three years. And, and what uh, is this uh, obviously available in the U.S. Uh, and, and Canada? This can be shipped to Canada? Uh, correct. Yep. And what's, kinda, what's the, 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 the future hold for you guys? What are you, what are you guys looking to, uh, to do to kind of evolve this? Yeah, so right now we're focused actually a lot on uh, international expansion as well. So we're available in the U.S. and Canada, most of Europe, U.K., Australia, New Zealand, Dubai, I believe, most recently. Um, but our primary focus right now is to continue to develop like new and interesting games to keep people motivated. Um, so that is our core. Our core product is the game. 
um, are, are the games that are available. Uh, and we want to continue to, to develop that and um, add in integrations that are like useful for members. So most recently, we added an Apple Watch integration. So you can kind of pair your Apple Watch with your data and get kind of workout data synced uh, within Apple Health. So what kind of pricing are we talking here? Uh, obviously, you got to get the machine. And uh, I imagine there's some sort of monthly subscription as well. Right. Yep. Uh, currently, uh, are priced in uh, the U.S. at twenty two forty nine, um, and there is a twenty nine dollar membership fee. Uh, but currently, also offering two fifty off uh, the Yogata Rower, uh, and we have monthly financing available too. So, um, lowers the burden of uh, the the cost. We're talking with Saj Parikh. He's with a company called Ergata. They make a, a very cool connected uh, rowing machine. Uh, where can people find out more information, Saj? Uh, I think the best source of information is our site, ergata.com, uh, but also be sure to check out YouTube reviews. Uh, we have a lot of third-party reviewers that love our product, and we'll do a deep dive into explaining how the product works, what types of games are available, and kind of gives you gives you a better idea of uh, how the machine works. Perfect. Thanks for joining us today, Saj. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You were back with the program. I want to touch on a, a very disturbing uh, story that uh, has come out of the uh, U.S. The FBI down there is warning its citizens about sextortion when it comes to AI and something called deep fakes. To help understand uh, how serious of uh, an issue this is, we've got a good friend, Carmi Levy, with us today. Carmi, uh, Deep fakes. Let's start with uh, with that. You know, we've talked a little bit about it uh, on the show uh, over the past couple of years. This is basically when uh, people use uh, images, for example, of uh, Tom Cruise or videos and create uh, new content based on those images, even though um, it, it's not them anymore. Yeah, and that's the scary thing. It's one thing for someone to, say, take a, a compromising video of you uh, and then threaten to put it online and, you know, pay me or or I'm going to release it to everyone. Uh, and it's quite another thing to not even have to shoot the video at all, but to use imagery that they found online, run it through an AI platform, and then create a deep fake video that makes makes it look like it's you, but it's not doing things that you would certainly never do in real life. And so the fact that AI can be used to create these deep fakes, literally put words in people's mouths uh, or make them do things on video uh, that are unmentionable on a family radio program uh, is an incredibly frightening development in artificial intelligence. It raises sextortion to an entirely terrifying new level. And that's why the FBI is saying, uh, you know, issuing the warning now saying essentially deep fakes are taking a longstanding issue around sextortion and making it even more of a risk to all of us. It is disturbing. I, I've seen some of these deep fake uh, videos. I've seen ones of Obama. I've seen ones of Tom Cruise. Uh, and it, it is startlingly uh, it, it's it's so real, like you would just believe that it's them. Sure. I mean, you know, I've seen I've seen all of those videos. I know there's one circulating of Morgan Freeman as well. Uh, and, you know, if you if you just sort of take it at face value, you're like, OK, sure, I'm I'm seeing Tom Cruise or Morgan Freeman. Um, and it's one thing if it's just a demo. And in many cases, all of these videos are exactly that a demo of what the technology can do. Vendors often do this when they release a new piece of software or, or new AI platform or service. They want to show what it's capable of. They want you to have that 
wow moments. So they they build these videos and then they release them. Um, and and kind of inevitably, we all are going to go, wow, that's really cool. That's really real. Now, of course, if you lean in really closely, you can kind of tell uh, that the, the, the speech is a little bit stilted, that it's still not quite 100 percent. Let's call it 98 percent, which for most people, that's more than enough. It's more than enough to, to, to sort of fool you into believing that that's exactly exactly what they had said and done. That's, that's actually them. Uh, but here's the thing. Right now, we're at 98 percent. Over time, it's going to go up 99, 99.5, 99.9. Eventually, it's going to be so close to real that even when we lean in, even when we slow everything down, we stop doing everything else in our offices or our homes and we focus exclusively on this video and we really try to tell, is it fake or is it real? We won't be able to tell the difference. So, you know, we're, we're hearing this warning now as the technology is still early stage, rather imperfect. Uh, but that technology is going to get better and we're going to have to become better filters. And that's the scary thing is that criminals know this and they're going to increasingly use this technology in crimes like this to convince us to, to do things that we wouldn't otherwise do. In other words, send us money uh, or I'm going to release this video. Even if it's a fake video, it doesn't matter because once it's out there, it's out there. Fake or not, people are going to think that you did that. And that's what we're talking about uh, in this segment. The FBI published a statement this uh, past week basically saying scammers are using AI technology to create sexually explicit deepfake photos and videos uh, of people in uh, an attempt to get uh, money uh, out of them, uh, again called sextortion. And uh, this, you know, I, I feel this kind of really uh, affects uh, minors, children in, in a big way, because they don't have necessarily the the tools to deal with something like that if they were approached with a you know a fake photo of them or, or video they don't the problem here is is that a, a, a child or a kid is approached uh, by a criminal thinks that they're in deep trouble doesn't know what to do uh, and doesn't feel confident or comfortable enough going to mom or dad or a trusted adult or other caregiver uh, and so lord knows what can happen that the impact on uh, a child's mental health for example is just almost impossible to to determine so you know the, the risk here is that Kids will not have the tools they need to navigate uh, an attack like this. It's bad enough if you're an adult. Um, and unfortunately, of, of all the sort of digital street-proofing conversations that we have to have with our kids, we've got to add this one now to the list. We've got to ensure that our kids are aware that this kind of thing does happen. We have to explain to them the kinds of behaviors that they engage in on social media that can expose them or, or make them at greater risk of being victimized. And part of that is is uh, releasing huge amounts of imagery that allow sextortion criminals to mine that information and create those videos in the first place. And so, you know, if your child is literally sharing tons of selfies and videos of themselves online, uh, the first thing that you need to do is help them understand uh, you don't want to be oversharing because that simply makes the, the, the job a lot easier for a criminal. Uh, not that you should never post a selfie, of course, uh, but if every single, uh, you know, asset in your in your feed uh, is of you with the camera turned inward, you might want to think about dialing, dialing that down a little bit and ensuring that criminals look for some other easy mark when they go looking for a victim. Well, that's uh, one of the warnings that the FBI also uh, issued, uh, you know, basically warning them of the, the dangers of posting public photos and videos of themselves online. But Carmi, uh, have we, that horse has left the barn, like 
everyone, everyone is posting stuff all over Instagram and, and Facebook. I even think of myself, I'm always posting uh, fo- photos of me and gosh, uh, you know, again, minors, uh, kids, teens, uh, it's like tenfold or a hundredfold. Oh, yeah. I mean, to, to, certainly it's a good best practice to go into your social media feeds every once in a while and do a bit of a cleanup. But truth of the matter is we've all been online for so long and we all share so much that uh, you know, there isn't enough time in the world for us to go back and do that to any significant degree. Uh, who has the time? Who has the energy? Uh, and quite frankly, for most of us, it's just not a priority. Um, but certainly going forward, we can start thinking twice about what we choose to share and under what circumstances we choose to share it. And we can also look at the settings that we have on all of our platforms, all of our accounts, all of our apps and services, uh, and maybe tighten those down a little bit as well. Because because there is correlation between you know victimology, in other words, your likelihood of becoming a victim, and just how on top of your personal cybersecurity you are. So if you are using the same passwords on multiple systems, if you are not updating them after a major breach, if you're ignoring news of major breaches and things like that, uh, you are more likely to be targeted by attacks like this to become a victim of things like sextortion attempts uh, than you are than someone who perhaps stays on top of these a little bit more and. Again, you know, parents and kids, this needs to be added to the agenda of things that you want to be talking about regularly with them. Carmi, let's just talk about some of the things uh, that uh, we can do or you you can do as parents uh, as well. I think you just really touched on uh, the big one. Uh, You have to educate your kids on what is possible out there and that these things are happening and and can happen uh, very, very easily. Correct. Absolutely. You know, uh, awareness is half of the battle. Uh, And while we certainly don't want to freak our kids out, we also don't want to turn them loose into the digital space without kind of that that advanced knowledge. So have that conversation with your kids, explain to them the kinds of of predators that are out there. Don't don't scare them, but at the same time, make them aware. We've done this in the real world with regular street proofing. Now let's do the same thing with digital street proofing. So explain to them what this scam looks like. Explain to them how it works, uh, you know, help them understand the kinds of signs that you are being targeted, what to watch for, uh, and then, of course, what to do once you think that you are being targeted. Uh, going silent is never the answer. Mom and dad are always here uh, to have that conversation with no judgment ever. Um, and so that's an important one. Kids should never feel uncomfortable going to their parents or caregivers uh, when they feel that they are on the wrong end of a cyber attack of a sextortion attempt, um, because that, of course, makes a bad situation even worse. They'll have to navigate it on their own. You also touched, I think, on the, the second big one is really lock down any social media accounts that you have so that, uh, you know, the general public can't get in and, and look at all of your, your photos. Uh, and so yeah. all, all of them have that, whether it's Facebook or Instagram, uh, what have you. You can just turn it on so that only uh, people that you've friended can see your content. Yeah, they usually call it private mode. Um, so you can set the account to private mode. But of course, explain to your kids that private is still isn't private. If you're posting inappropriate content to your so-called private account, it can still get out there. It can still be picked up by someone. It's just a little bit harder. So by all means, turn those features on, but also recognize the limitations and have that conversation with your kids. At the same time, also each post, for example, like when you're in Facebook, every single post has privacy settings 
on it too. So probably not a bad idea to also go into the settings and set them generally for the account, but also take a look at each post and make sure that it is only being shared with the individuals that you want it to be shared with and no one more. That is absolutely crucial. It's way too easy for things that you post online to find a larger audience than you are originally comfortable with. And uh, you know, certainly that's you know, parents need to explain that to their kids and kids need to become familiar with how the settings work so that they can use it as part of their day-to-day routine. I, I guess the third thing for me is uh, do a uh, an audit on yourself. Uh, you know, simple as Googling yourself or, or your kids uh, and, you know, go to the image tab and see what content basically comes up. That will give you uh, a breadcrumb trail to, uh, you know, places or, or social media accounts or, or whatever that aren't locked down properly. Yeah, we we used to call these vanity searches, but there's there's nothing vain about it. It's important to understand what your digital profile looks like to an outsider. So if somebody's going looking for information on me, what will they find? You've got to have that answer because in many cases, it's way too easy for them to find some pretty personal information. And so by doing that search, seeing what comes back, you can identify what's problematic and you can arrange to have it removed from your accounts. And that is absolutely crucial. Again, you're not going to get to the bottom of it, but you know, you're just looking for the, the the top of the list, the most obvious stuff that comes up that you don't want out there. The only way to do that is to search for yourself and see what comes back. Uh, and that's it, easy. Google Google is definitely your, uh, your friend, and you would be surprised at how much stuff is out there. But again, it will kind of give you an indication of uh, what content uh, you you are sharing or are made uh, public, and uh, you know you can go back and start locking some of those uh, those things uh, down. Well, uh, Carmi, I want to thank you for joining us uh, again and uh, enlightening our, our audience on this uh, on this issue. Great being with you, Mike. Thanks for having me. Want to uh, give a shout out to our sister show? It's called the App Show. It's on every Sunday across the Chorus uh, Radio Network. Uh, on uh, tomorrow's show, we're going to be getting into AI a bit more. There's actually uh, a class action lawsuit uh, against OpenAI. OpenAI is the company behind the very popular Chat GPT that uh, many many people are using to write everything from emails, letters to reports to even coding websites. Uh, a fantastic uh, tool, but Where is it getting all that information to be so smart? Well, it's uh, up for debate now. Uh, And again, this class action uh, lawsuit is uh, going after them, saying that they're basically ingesting a bunch of content, copyrighted and trademarked content, uh, without the original author's uh, permission. We'll also be talking about the actor strike, uh, going uh, a little deeper on that. And one of the big sticking points is uh, AI. Uh, the uh, the studios have uh, basically uh, asked to be have uh, access to uh, actors' uh, AI image to be able to use it no matter what, wherever they want. So we'll uh, explore the implications of uh, that as well. Mike Agarbo for Get Connected signing off. We'll see you again next time.